Oh, excuse me. I was just sipping some hot tea because it's Monday, September 13th, and this is big stick energy coming straight through your headphones, your car speakers, and penetrating your ear holes with maximum SaaS value. This is the Undomesticated Outdoor Podcast brought to you by myself, Tori Anderson, and my best friend, Renee McCurdy. You can find me at Tori A. Alina and Renee at at Renee McCurds. McCurds, you heard it. We are two of five co-founders of the Womb Tang brand, and Renee is the undercover meme lord behind Womb Cork memes. So the lovely and gracious Adam Jabber from Out of Bounds Podcast decided it was a good idea to give us a platform to make those memes into real life conversations, and here we freaking are. Um, what is Big Stick Energy? Some of you may know the phrase, some of you won't. We uh, designed a sticker, actually Chegg did, one of the co-founders, that was Meg the Stallion crushing a beer can and holding a pair of skis between her legs. As a, It was kind of a joke to begin with, but we actually created the saying around this issue where women are traditionally sold skis that are too short for them in the industry, which means that they don't have the equipment they need to progress. So we created the phrase to kind of empower women to get on that bigger equipment, to flex that big stick energy and really push their boundaries and progress in the sport. So that's what big stick energy is. What does undomesticated mean? It means we're giving you heaps of saucy conversations that will spend everything from industry tea, gear, big sends, big bales, gnarly missions, AKA type three fun, we all been there, honey. Hard facts and real ass experiences and insights about mental health, sexism, colonization, heteronormativity, and everything in between. Our goal is to elevate voices across the industry to create a culture of compassion, inclusivity, and really good freaking times because there's not a better world where the ski industry exists than an equitable one that makes everybody feel included and valued and seen. So today, we are super freaking stoked to be launching this podcast as episode number one, and Renee is going to tell you all about our first guest. So this week, we're talking to Nyota Haley. This is our very first episode, and we first got wind of Nat when we found out that she's one of three chicks that are manning up a ski tech shop, and that is an unheard of ratio. Tori and I have worked in shops before, and usually you're like the one girl and if you are there, you have to fight your way into the hard goods. That's boot fitting. That's not even working in the back. There's a big imposter syndrome that comes with working back there. There's sexism you have to deal with just in general working at a shop. So we are spilling the tea. The, the motherfucking tea. The tea, baby. Anyways, what else are we talking about? So... Apart from the tea about what it's like working in a ski shop for real, we're talking about sustainability and outdoor wear, and Nat is building a new brand to tackle a bit of that and fill a gap that she's seeing in the industry, and we totally agree. Here we go. Yeah. We don't want to spill too many details because you got to get into the episode, but we are so stoked to be on this journey with you guys and to keep growing that Womb Tang community. It is a motherfucking movement. It's big stick energy, baby. The biggest bush is in town. This is the Undomesticated Podcast. Drop it in three, two, one. So you came back to Montana. I did. And you went to school here. You learned Russian, which is wild. Like, how many people have you met 
in um like in Bozeman or you're not in Bozeman, sorry, you're in Missoula. Right. Yeah. In Missoula. I just say Bozeman because I'm thinking like Bridger. Like I know. Like, it's the it's like the outdoor epicenter of Montana. It's totally yeah. I'm I'm okay with being associated with them. I'm from there, so uh, yeah, anyway, how many people have you met who speak Russian in Missoula? Like, is that a thing? Or is that, like, what made you think, like, I'm going to pick yeah. Russian out of all the languages right. I could That's choose <laughs> being a skier? I Russian. don't even know. Well, I think when I, firstly, when I made that decision, I was not, like, I would say the idea that I could make skiing, like, center my career and professional life in any way is very recent to me like I did not make the decision at all thinking that I would ever even really like pursue like I, I think I'd instructed a few times here and there when I decided to study Russian so like maybe going to ski there one day was was a goal but I definitely picked it just like I think you think if, if you want to major in a language and like focus on that you're like hammered to go after the critical languages like things that people feel like I don't know, you can go work for the government or do something productive with it. I don't know. I think all the stereotypes are just kind of hitting me. And I also had a lot of friends at the boarding school that I was at who were from Russia or spoke Russian. So I was just exposed to it a lot. And it's it's so beautiful. And I just really liked it. and was like, love the sound of it. Love what I could maybe do with it. Feels pretty useful. <laughs> it was a pretty, yeah, it wasn't really a well thought through decision. But I'm really glad I did it. I, I'm not going to do anything with it probably professionally now other than travel. Um, but yeah, these are very succinct answers. <laughs> I think it's awesome that you're like, it's such a beautiful language. Cause when I think Russian, I just think about all the weird crap I, I see on the internet. I know, and I then know. I think like, Goose, like I can't even do yeah, the accent. Okay. I'm going to insult the culture. I should not do yeah. that on the internet, <laughs> but I, yeah, Russian and beautiful, I guess. No. Okay. To be fair, there are a lot of really beautiful cultural things about Russia and the Ukraine mm -hmm. as well. I almost went on a, a um, what was it? Like a student exchange program to the Ukraine. But when oh. I looked into where we were going, it was like very high crime rates. You can't go here because of radiation poisoning and like X, Y, Z. And they're like, yeah, free trip. You get paid. I was like, <laughs> uh. I was like, it sounds a little too good to be true here. So <laughs> dipped yeah. out, but I mean, that sounds like my experience in a nutshell. That's where I studied abroad in Ukraine because Russia's oh. visas are so hard to get and they're just like yeah. so expensive, takes so long. Um, so I spent three months in Kiev and it, that was pretty much it. That was my experience that you just described. So. Word. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, interesting. I mean, it's definitely a good story to tell whoever when you get old. Mm -hmm. I don't even, I'm not going to say kids because I don't know if any of like we do, we're going to do what we're going to do. Um but moving forward to you working in the ski industry. So yeah. um, one thing I think that's really cool about you and it's kind of challenging norms in the ski industry is you work as a tech in a ski shop, which is it's already hard to find chicks that work as boot fitters and in mm -hmm. hard gear because it's a traditionally male space. Right. Mm -hmm. But to be a chick in a tech shop among two other chicks. So there's three of you that is <laughs> yeah. like statistically defying. That is bananas. So can I you know. tell us like a bit about what that's been like, how you got into yeah. it? Like, yeah, for sure. I, I like to think there are other shops out there that are all girls, but yeah, I don't know. We need more of it for sure. Um, it, for me, it was kind of just like, I just stumbled upon it. It definitely wasn't something I went out pursuing. Um, but my, my partner who I've been with for about three years now, we met ski instructing at our like little mom and pop hill in Missoula. 
Um, he has been a tech for years and like has moved around doing it. He's super, super good at his job. Him and his buddy have um, kind of worked together for years and they came here together to Missoula and got this job teching at a shop. That's actually a Montana chain. So I think there's like five or six locations maybe. Um, and yeah, he was there, I think for two years while we were dating and then him and his friend got a sweet opportunity to go tech at like another local shop. That's kind of like the community epicenter for um, like backcountry stuff and gear and all that kind of stuff. So they, they jumped on that and then there was these two spots left <laughs> and I was like thinking about it for a few weeks. I didn't ask, I didn't say anything. Cause I don't, I don't, you know, we're dating. I don't want to like take over his like career goals and, and stuff like that. So I kind of was thinking about it. Um, definitely was interesting to me. And it just so happens that the girl that they had trained someone the year before they left, who was a girl and also one of my friends. So um, I talked to her a bit about it. And then I think, yeah, I think it was actually Alex, my boyfriend, who was just like, no, nah, you should apply. Um, just like super nonchalantly. He's always been like super encouraging of that kind of stuff. So I, I was like, oh, are you OK with that? <laughs> and um, and he connected me with the manager. And I just went in like and I, I think, yeah, I had a lot of weird reservations, even just going in for the interview or calling at all. I think for all the reasons that you guys are familiar with, I was like, oh, I'm a girl with zero tech experience. Like I've instructed, I know gear, I know what I like, but I have no experience like doing this thing specifically. Um, and definitely just felt, yeah, like completely underqualified. Like I shouldn't even try, but um, but I did with lots of encouragement of friends. And I think it, this was like right when the pandemic was heading. So I don't know why I got it. I don't know if it was just like, I think Missoula is already such a small town and there's, you know, if you have an experienced tech, they're most likely already working at a shop. So I think that definitely played into it a little bit, but I, yeah, I like to think I did good in the interview and, and all that sort of stuff. So I ended up getting that. And so my friend Sarah and I were working there for the first like month together alone and we needed one more and we had some applications rolling in. And then it just so happened our manager came in and was like, yeah, this girl, Natalie applied. And we were just like, kind of looked at each other like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, it was just like a moment of, we both realized like what that could mean just for our community and just like in general to have an all female shop. Even if we, like we were definitely learning every day. We, you know, none of us had years of experience. So I don't know, it was just, we just decided to go for it though. And so Natalie came on board and Sarah was like having had only one year of teching. I'm amazed. <laughs> She's so badass. Managed to teach Natalie and I everything this last year. Um, and yeah, it was kind of just like a beautiful shit show, honestly. <laughs> like, you know, we weren't sending out like dangerous skis, but we were definitely like kind of teaching ourselves, but also like using the resources we had. But it was also just like so lovely because we were three girls going through together, <laughs> like feeling very encouraged by. Yeah, I don't know. Learning at our own paces. It was nice. I don't think I would have liked it if it was all guys. Definitely. Yeah. I think, like, that's kind of, like, Womb Tang's whole thing, you know? It's, like, when chicks support each other, Absolutely. we can learn and we can progress into those spaces. And it really helps combat imposter syndrome, which is exactly what it sounds like you had at the beginning, yeah. which is normal when you enter a male-dominated space, right? Mm -hmm. It's super weird in the ski industry. And... I um I worked as a boot fitter for a long time. So yeah, did Renee and in hard goods. And we've both experienced it mm -hmm. full tilt. And like the other side that really validates that imposter syndrome, which is mm -hmm. the um, you know, the sexism that you experience. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, your face. You uh, okay, you've gotta have yeah. a couple wild stories about that. <laughs> I don't know. Like nothing so crazy, but just like 
yeah, like I had mentioned, like I had instructed for a few years. That was kind of like where I was at in the industry before in the shop. And then I, you know, I'd coach, I coach for like the local ski team now and have been for the last two years. And I like, I definitely have experienced like, you know, I'm sure we all have there, but just the shop was like a whole new level, just like a whole new level of blatant sexism that I had an experience in the ski industry. I knew it was there, but um, yeah, it was, it was rough. Like within the employees, with the customers, with just the entire dynamic, um, yeah, we definitely have a few, a few stories. I don't really like go go too much into that, but yeah. well, Tori and I could definitely like attest to that. Like we both worked in shops. Like yeah. I've straight up had to go to a male colleague and be like, so like I've discussed this product with someone. It's perfect for them. It's exactly what they want, but they don't believe me. Like, can you just go over <sighs> there and tell them exactly what I just said? Oh my god! And then they walk out with the thing. And it's like, I sold them the product, but they didn't believe me until a man walks over and tells them the exact same thing. And like, it sounds crazy to say, but it's actually like something that's happened more than once. I I can't even tell you how many different times that's happened to me. And I've worked in ski shops in New Zealand, Canada, and Japan. And like, it's, um, it's shocking to, it's very like, it's very dehumanizing. Like it, mm-hmm. it's very objectifying in a way. Yeah. Um, and it, it sucks. Cause it's like, I worked really hard to get here. Like I had to yeah. fight my managers in New Zealand to allow me to work in the hard good shop. Like I remember when I applied, um, my boss bless his heart. He ended up supporting me in the end, but I had to get there myself. I told him that I wanted to work in hard goods and he blatantly was like, you can't. And I was like, why? And he's like, cause men won't buy from you. Oh, he was like, maybe if you were 40 years old, they would, but they're not going to buy from a cute, petite, like yeah, whatever. Right, right. So then every single time someone came into the shop and was at the ski wall, I would walk up and I would be there, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I'm going to like push myself into this space. And then I had to stop dressing super feminine. So more masculine because then it made me look like I belong. So like baggy pants, sweatshoes, mm-hmm. beanies, like maybe not as much makeup, like all that kind of stuff, just try and give me credibility. And like, that's so weird. It's like, we should be yeah, able to exist yeah. and do those jobs without feeling like we don't belong or being told we don't belong through other people's actions. It's just like, it's wild. It is wild. It is wild. But, that, yeah. I feel like that's so interesting that you say that too, especially like changing your appearance. I think whether or not it's conscious or not, like when I reflect on this last year, I feel like I, I mean, like I, I thought didn't even go through my head, but I absolutely like completely altered the way I dressed, just like naturally, because you're trying to think that and you're trying to do that to like fit the mold, you know, and like, got to convince them somehow. So like tucking your hair back and putting a beanie on and like, yeah, obviously, yeah, it's such a weird, such a weird dynamic. I, I think it's like that all the way through the, like the outdoor industry though. Like right. I, I've dated guys that when I put on mascara before I go climbing or like I do something, they're like, why are you putting makeup on? I was like, because I want to. Because Why does I this take away right. from yes. my athletic ability? <sighs> or it's like, like I remember um, my friend Ega. She is so awesome, and like we had this amazing heart to heart about how um, she's like always felt uncomfortable with her femininity mm-hmm. in outdoor spaces. And it's like, you know, like I always wear earrings. That's like my thing, yeah, yeah. Like my yeah. token. And I like put earrings in to go skateboarding. And she was like, I love that you just put earrings in to go skateboarding. And then like went and bought her own. But then like. Like I used to be super uncomfortable with my femininity and our friend Chegg and uh, one of the other co-founders of Womb Tang, she, she like really inspired me to like not be scared of it. It's right. just, yeah, just embrace that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
expressing yourself authentically however you want to mm -hmm. along that spectrum is defined in its own in the ski industry and outdoor industry but it's it's weird how it shapes us like like were you when you were a kid did you want to be one of the boys oh absolutely yeah right oh absolutely yeah yeah that's the only way. that was the only way that was the only way to like prove yourself in the, yeah see and like i i'm like a I don't really fit into that as much because I didn't ski really when I was growing up. I played hockey, but I played on a girls team. So like, I, I don't know if I would really quantify myself as like tomboy or not. Like, I think I was like somewhere in between, like maybe a little bit more on the tomboy side because I did a lot of sports, mm -hmm. but I didn't really find outdoor sports until more like teenage years. And that's when I like got into climbing and I was hiking on my own more, like not just mm -hmm. with my family. And then that's when I got into snow sport. So I feel like it was like more in university that I started to hit that. And like, as I grew more in the industry, like you see it more and more where you just like, it's subconscious. You like see like what is accepted and like, what people think is cool mm -hmm. and how to get respected and then you just like subconsciously try and fit that norm and the norm is not like looking hot yeah absolutely <laughs> you know where else i think we do that is ski fashion ski fashion is so weird and it's totally a socioeconomic barrier mm -hmm. and a cultural flaw in yeah skiing right it's like if you don't have the goggles if you don't have the kit right. if you don't like look like you know what you're doing you're not wearing it right yeah yeah it's mm -hmm. it's weird it's a lack of it's respect on yeah, us it's not but that yeah. shit's so expensive it's so, so freaking expensive, expensive. Yeah. like ugh. i know like i hit up it was like a comment section somewhere but i just like hit it up and was like you know what like this is ridiculous like I personally did not feel like I looked cool skiing until I had sponsors and I was getting gear for free. That was the best gear right. and it was all brand new. It wasn't like hand-me-downs, buy and sell, like just trying to get your hands on whatever you can. That was the first time that I felt like I looked the part. I look cool. I'm like on the inside and like I had people giving me stuff for free, like to buy all that stuff straight up all the time yeah. like that's and then especially every year like as you as your as your body changes and as you change and as you grow like you can't buy $400 snow pants every year to like fit that you know no definitely not and i think it's like i mean i my friend group is pretty solid now but back in the day i definitely remember skiing with people who would make fun of what other people were wearing mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the most important thing is they're out there right and right it's uh, increasing access to those resources is it's really important and increasing participation in the sport, especially across wider demographics other than just, you know, typical elitist mm -hmm. white culture is, is important to the survival of the sport. So breaking down those barriers and it's not about the cool kids. It's not about skiing with the boys. It's about getting out there and being yourself authentically, and we need to really cultivate that respect. Um, but on the topic of clothing, we know that you yeah. are a designer, <laughs> no, and no. you're doing whoa, some. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you title it yourself. But no, I don't know what it is. Tell us what you're up to. It sounds yeah. pretty rad. 
yeah I am like I'm trying to I've been like trying to think about how much I want to say because I don't want to like psych myself out I'm not super far into the process but I mean oh yeah you that intro that you just gave is beautiful because I feel like I this spent a lot of the season reflecting just on like how ill-fitting you know apparel and gear and all these things are for women in the outdoor industry and like even yeah just trying to find snow pants that fit you is impossible I'm wearing men's snow pants right now it's just like it just feels so impossible and yeah I don't know I think I was in a tap room with some friends like early winter probably fall (laughs) and just like was like what I think maybe what if there's just something that was adjustable that like could kind of change with you know like the natural changes your body and also was just offered in a lot more sizes and just like all the basic things that we so desperately need and I blows my mind that brands that are like leading in the outdoor industry haven't stepped into doing yet um and it was kind of just an idea for months until I got a sewing machine for my grandma and just started making like the apparel version of it so just like jumpsuits and things that fit me and was comfortable because I just really struggled to find things like I'm not I would say I'm average like I'm not that big I'm not teeny either and it's so hard for me to find clothes that are just comfortable even that I can wear outside and feel like I'm not like chafing or I'm not like you know just all the issues that we have as women buying clothing especially in the outdoor industry and so yeah it was just kind of making things and and slowly I started thinking more deeply about just like doing it for other people and um kind of built a super awesome group of of women here in Missoula that are doing not similar things but also just like diving headfirst into starting companies and it it's like it's not that unrealistic you know what I mean like I think there's this giant I don't know misconception that like you can't if you don't have the experience and especially as a woman like coming into it you can't just like go do these things and like dive into industries that you have no idea what you're doing so <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a little bit off topic here but ultimately I feel like I just started doing a lot of research and I don't know, realize that maybe I could do it on a bigger level and, and, you know, I could find the manufacturers and I could do all the things and I could, I'm not a fashion designer. I don't have a designer background. I don't have, you know, any of that knowledge, but I was just like, the need is there. And so I, I don't know how much to say about like the exact designs yet. <laughs> I'm still working on them, <laughs> but um, I am super excited. It's pretty official. I'm, you know, I registered my, my name as a business and I have been ticking the boxes. <laughs> But I'm super excited. Yeah, I think that adjustability piece is key. Yeah, because yeah. I think like probably anyone that has skier thighs can attest mm-hmm. to issues yeah. with like oh trying God. to fit. Like I've like thick been thighs, almost, thick thighs, save been, lives, but the bane of my existence. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I've been like trying to find just like jeans that fit and like. I'm also like, I think I'm pretty average size. Like I'm sure lots of people will consider me skinny, but I have like decent sized quads mm-hmm. because I cycle all summer and I ski all winter and I go to try on jeans and I'll be like almost in tears because I'll be 20 pairs in and yeah. like nothing fits my legs and my butt, mm-hmm. but like also my waist. Right. <laughs> right. How does it fit? Like all of the curves, everyone's curves are different. Everyone's it's so upsetting it doesn't like I was in Levi's and I wanted to get a new pair of shorts and of course I saw all these cute ass jeans so I was like I'm gonna try them on and then I ended up buying a pair and they were like oh they should stretch out so I wore them for dinner with my boyfriend and like I couldn't sit down 
Mm-hmm. And I had to like unbutton them because it was so bad. And we went for a walk afterwards and I tried to walk upstairs. Uh-uh. It's like mm-hmm. in order to get them to like fit my thighs, I literally have to, or my waist, I have to cut off circulation to all of my lower yeah. extremities. And I just yeah. don't get it. Well, like when you have pants that fit you standing up and then you get in your car to go somewhere and it, yeah, it like hurts you to drive. Like it just hurts yeah, to drive. That's not, definitely. that's not. It's not a fun experience. <laughs> no. And I think it's like in the ski industry, I don't Burton, for example, what are they doing? Like the women's I've worked in ski shops for so freaking long, like 10 years, more than 10 years. Oh my God, I'm 27. Yep. It's more than 10 <laughs> years now. Um, but they, uh, they're low cut. They don't fit right. Like girls come in and try them on and it's, it's abysmal how they think that they're designing quality products for Mm -hmm. women. Also the lack of technical features that pass over from men's gear to women's gear. It's like they're positioned as like men's is like, men's is like high quality, everything else. And women's is lower. And you even see it in like DIN ratings. What was that DIN rating, Renee? Right? You would know. Nyota knows. (laughs) Yeah, that's Solomon. That's Solomon. Yeah. So it's like Solomon's touring binding for anyone who's listening and doesn't know Solomon has a touring binding. And instead of using numbers like the DIN system, yes, I know tech bindings aren't technically DIN. Don't fight me on it. I know this already. (laughs) I worked in a shop, but instead of using DIN numbers, they have it set as expert men's and women's like, Nyota, your face, the anger, the anger. It's like, what? And this is a 2020 product. Like, 20. That whole sentence is just so fucked up. Like, yeah, it's actually mind blowing. We didn't carry solvents. I feel like I'm, I feel. You could make it gendered or you could not. And they chose an option. Right, like, like it, it's not. That's not even like normal practice. That's what's so upsetting. They went out of their way <laughs> to completely alienate like half of the yeah. industry. To be like, oh, women <sighs> need like four to six, and then I looked it up, and I was like, my den is under the men's category. Absolutely, my yeah, my like, too. That's out. That's absurd. Why that- are you telling me that I need to be lower when I'm just gonna blow out of this thing left, right, and center? <sighs> that's one that's of like the things, that, that's injury induced. That is how is that? like safe that's it's not it's not it's not it's It's simple that's one of the biggest issues though is that the industry has traditionally and historically positioned women as less than right absolutely yeah it's like you're one token women like I remember going to Warren Miller movie releases with my dad because he's a an atomic sales rep when Mm -hmm. I was a kid and it was always Ingrid Blackstorm token chick and it was like I watched those when I was 10 years old and it was like oh like I need to be like one of the boys I need right. to do this. I can't be one of the girls. I have to wear guy mm-hmm. stuff. Girl stuff isn't cool, like X, yeah. Y, Z. And it's like the industry has made us believe that. So you know what? This episode, Paging Solomon. Paging Solomon. Paging Solomon. Anybody that knows them. <laughs> Woomtang's having a bitch fit. We're going to write a letter. Go watch White Chicks if you don't know what that means. But we are officially stating that this is no longer acceptable for women in the industry. Absolutely not. We don't have it. Open oh, door, that's so upsetting. closed door, moving forward. Hopefully we see some stuff change, but it's uh, it's wild. It's really cool that you want to take on, um, you know, uh, an opportunity and see that there's a need to be filled. And I think there is, especially mm-hmm. 
as a female moving into it, it's like how many women are designing clothing brands, right? right. And there's a lot, like I'm a business student. I think there's a lot of um, trends and societal, like environmental factors that are creating space for that right now. Mm-hmm. Like we're taking over. They can't deny mm-hmm. it. It's mm-hmm. happening. I know that um, one thing you mentioned is that sustainability is really important to you. So yeah. how do you want to weave that into this idea? Yeah, I think that's kind of like where I'm at right now with a standstill. Um, fabric sourcing is just like such a whole, it's just a whole different world that is really difficult to navigate if you're not familiar with it. So I've been really lucky to have come across a few local female business owners that are awesome and giving me advice and helping me like navigate that world. Um, but I think, yeah, like first things first, uh, just the fabric, like recycled materials or, you know, I I don't know what that means yet, but it is super important to me. So I'm trying to figure that out and have that completely nailed down, not make not cut any corners there. Um, but you know, everything from that, from the fabric to, uh, you know, working with local factories if I can, or local seamstresses to packaging and just like being super mindful of shipping and. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like a whole pattern of things to consider. Just a whole <laughs> it's very overwhelming, but um, you know, there are companies that I'm I'm seeing not necessarily in the outdoor industry. Like people are mindful of it of course there, but um lots of just cool fashion companies that are uh, yeah. setting really good examples for that, especially female-owned fashion companies and I feel very inspired by them and I want yeah, would like to take some principles of theirs into into our space. I feel like there's just a giant void in the outdoor space. Yeah, for stuff I like think, that. I think that we should like mention for people who don't work in ski shops because mm-hmm. all of us three we've all like seen how everything shows up to the shop, mm-hmm. and like for people who don't understand like how things show up before we unpack it and put it mm-hmm. on the shelves, literally every single sock is wrapped in plastic, every yeah, so single shirt is wrapped in plastic, like everything is individually wrapped in plastic <laughs> in a big, big box and then filled with some other crap. Yep, some and other plastic. The so there's a lot, a lot, a lot of waste. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess like one company, the, pretty much the only company that I have seen in like skiing and biking that does a really good job of this is that Mons Royale started to use compostable mm. for their wrap for all. So then awesome. they still are wrapping like every sock and every shirt and right. everything, but it's at least a compostable wrap so that we could take those and we didn't have to throw them in the garbage. Right. So. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I think, um, like, even pushing beyond that, there was this big uh, tiff in the news this week about how, um, what was it, Uh, an oil company or, like, oil and gas company contacted North Face to see if they would be able to produce their employees' uniforms. And North Face was like, we're not comfortable doing that. We don't want to support the petroleum industry. But every single product that they make is exists because of petroleum, right? So it's, like, it's almost coming up with... Uh, you know, other sustainable materials to replace that aspect right. of the technical wear. But how do you do that, right? Uh, yeah. It's it's wild. Like I am, um, my ski sponsor this year, Wonder, they're amazing. One of the biggest reasons I wanted to uh, partner with them was because they came up with a disruptive technology that uses microalgae like in their skis. So in the sidewalls and the interior of the ski, it reduces their carbon footprint significantly. And it's, it's like skiing the skis. My first day on them, I was shocked. They were super damp. They were responsive. They're lightweight. They're more like backcountry focused. but the 110, 
Um, oh my God, I need to remember this name right now. This is embarrassing. I've been off the snow for a minute. This is not reflective <laughs> of how much I love my brand. And a concussion. Tori's had a concussion for like two months. Oh, I have. I am full on potato brain and now we're recording a podcast. So I apologize to the internet if it gets weird. Um, Don't apologize. Oh it's going to be weird. That's just me and Tori. It's it's happening. Double trouble, baby. Let's go. Um, we just oh have to get God. comfortable and then it'll be it'll be there. I feel like I need to Google this right now. But the 110 favorite Tori <laughs> ski. The 110. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, Wonder. I love you guys. Big shout out. Um, but there you lay it on its edge and that thing fucking rails. Like you can press the camber and you can actually get the ski made with full rocker or a camber rocker profile, depending on how you want to ski it. And they're that. starting to come out with split boards, but like seeing that innovative space coming up with disruptive solutions. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to see because ski industry literally survives right. with the climate. If mm -hmm. global warming continues, we're not going to have snow. So there's a space there. I think you need to find like a engineering partnership. Yeah. I know. I'm like, it's like finding these resources and just like, learning while making these decisions has been it's just a slow process yes um, but it feels very good to be like secure in that i'm just gonna go for it and we'll see what happens stay tuned honestly some of the world's biggest innovators are like right. that they get a passion they get an inclination they find the networks i should send you this article actually that i read about uh the it's an entrepreneur's dna and one of the key factors is networking so the more people that you meet, the more opportunities you create, which is important, especially when you're pursuing something yeah, like that. Absolutely. I know I had a, <laughs> the gal that's helping me with my logo gave me like the best piece of advice. This is all like the entire space is very new for me. I never thought that I would attempt to run anything, um, especially as big as I kind of am envisioning it right now. And she was like, just pick out all your favorite companies, all the ones you want to emulate and, you know, the little different ways that, or, you know, all the things that you like about them and just like cold email them and ask them to zoom or get coffee or do these things. And I was just like, that's not going to work. Like people don't care. <laughs> but I just sat there for a day and I wrote like 20 emails, just like long ass, like explaining my entire plan. Just like, please, like I'm begging you <laughs> just like help. I need some advice. And I got like 10 replies in the first day. And I've since met with like 10 amazing people, some local, some not. And I just feel like, yeah, I don't know. I think I've, I've been so secure and so uncomfortable for so long, like putting myself out there and doing these things. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with this last year and like finding Wimtang and finding the network of ladies, especially in the outdoor industry that are just like, do it, like, just go do the thing that needs to happen. We'll all support each other. Yeah, I don't know. That's cool. It's a cool community. That's so freaking rad. Sorry, side note. And then I have one more yep. question to ask you. Um, but you should you should reach out to Wonder as well. I can give you um, my like the athlete manager marketing pep his email. But awesome. even like reaching out to those guys to talk to them about that sustainability journey. Yeah. And maybe they Just the process they, of even find like getting like. Yeah, I mean, they they're partnered with an engineering chemical engineering firm called Checker Spot. So they technically came up with the technology, but Gotcha. Either way, it's a good foundation to start yeah. basing some more research and maybe they can connect you with people that are starting to push those similar boundaries in right. outerwear. Um, yeah. But, you know, this is big stick energy. It's related to womb tang. Let's go. Um, do you want to talk a bit about what it's been like to be a womb tang ambassador? I mean, I feel like we didn't do the best job 
really nailing the program this year because honestly, Wumtang grew beyond anything we could God, have imagined. God, I know, that was crazy. I know. And like we went into it, we were like, yeah, let's like sell some stickers. And now we've got like factions in over 20 locations and oh, ambassadors everywhere. And we honestly were so busy. So this summer, we're really going to work on planning and getting stuff mm-hmm. out to you guys. But um, how was it? What does Wumtang mean to you? Oh, it was lovely. It was really lovely. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think for me, like the main thing that has come out of it, and it was such so beautifully timed for me with graduating um, school, is just like networking. And like we were just talking about finding other women uh, with the same interests and, and other women that are interested in what you're doing and interested in supporting what you're doing. And um, yeah, just helping each other. And so, yeah, I think I found you guys because I wanted to start a ski group in Missoula. And I think I reached out to Chegg, who was like, oh, and you guys were like kind of just getting there, try like public. Um, yeah, and I think, I don't know. It's just has meant so much to like find other, you guys have helped me. You guys are in Canada. <laughs> I'll start there. You guys are in Canada across the border. And I have met like at least 20 new women because of Boomtang. In my Fuck yeah. Area. Sorry. Excuse me. Keep yeah, going. No, it's okay. It, like, I think that's what it comes down to for me. That all the rambling. I'm sorry. I'm such a jumbled thinker. It's really. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, it's okay. That is what it come down, comes down to for me. Um, and just like. And that was during a pandemic. Like, how the fuck? It's just crazy. It's just awesome. Um, I think it, I am so excited and so inspired. Ha- like this group, something like this hasn't existed ever. How did it take this long? How did it take until 2020? It just gets me so pumped. It just gets me so pumped to see what everyone's doing. And like, I did my first three this year. I never thought I would ever even try. Like, that is not even, that was not on my radar ever. That is so rad. I was like, yeah, I love love Big Man's game, but I'm like, I'm going to do a little baby straight airs like here and there. And just like, I remember seeing that on Instagram and I messaged you and I was like, yeah. That's some hot girl shit. She did it. But like, so did so many That's women power, in the group bro. that never thought they would either. It's just like, and we're all virtually connected too. It's not even like, like a lot of us in smaller places like Missoula weren't going out with like the big groups that you guys were doing, which was, and I wish I could have, and I would have driven up there if I could have. But yeah, it's just like, I don't know, so much power. And it's amazing. Yeah. That's what it's been for us too, is like, we, we're just finding that like there's so many girls that were skiing in our in our area but like we were all skiing separately mm-hmm. and then once we like got the group chat going and like the page started as like Tori's school project in the very very beginning Love it. but like then we actually like we're all meeting up and then it's like you were saying like you did your first three and like I think pretty much every three I've ever done has been with the girls like literally yeah like you just get so psyched and like one person does it and then you're like, oh, well, now I can now do it. I can I can do do it. it. Like it's a totally just... attainable. Why, why are people telling me I can't do it? Like that's the most upsetting part of it. You but know? you know what it is? It's like when you ski with the boys and a guy does a three, you're like, oh, I wouldn't be able to do that. No, but when it's like with the girls, yeah. it's like, let's go. It's totally yeah, different. Yeah, it's good energy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of my top days were skiing right after comp when like comp's all done mm-hmm. and you're going skiing with like not even just all the girls but like everyone in the comp but you just have that like level of girls that are skiing and you're just watching them all send and you're like you know what I probably wouldn't hit this if it was just me but I just saw them all do it so let's go yes (laughs) 
I love it. I love it so much. You know what? One of my favorite things has been is like watching some of the girls that like Chegg, for example, I met her two years ago. I don't know. Time's weird. And I have a concussion. But um, the first year that I met her, she wouldn't even hit the small jumps in the baby park at Lake Louise. And this year she learned how to 180. She was trying hitting rails. Anytime she saw a feature, she wouldn't even think she would go off of it. Like I saw her progress so freaking much Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. in its own is inspiring it's pushing those boundaries and learning how to move past your fear is a skill set and it takes practice and it's terrifying yeah but you can't do it without support Mm -hmm. and that's what happens with the girls it's it's natural it is i know i thought like the last day of the season i think i made a reel of it or something super silly but like the last day of the season i brought sarah who was our head tech this last year out who was like similar to me like she fucking rips but she wasn't like a spinner she didn't spend a lot of time in the air and brought her out just for like a last hurrah at last row she wasn't even like considering doing a three and just the day it was like five girls that didn't even know each other that I just like randomly pulled like whoever could come we went and yeah we were just lapping the park and she was doing little baby you know things here and there and eventually she's just like fuck it I'm gonna try it and everyone was so hyped for her and she landed it on her first try like a beautiful three it was the best three I've ever seen in my life I I don't even know I and that would never have happened if we like went skiing with our boyfriends like I love I love them to death but like it was the four random girls and like that no one knew that we it was just beautiful <laughs> And people were doing 180s that had never even gone into the park before. That's it, though. That's, like, I've skied with awesome dudes and dudes that have pushed me and showed me new Mm -hmm. things and, like, nothing against them. Right. When you ski with all girls and you're all, like, in that progression mindset, it's a vibe. And it's just, like, it's so different. And, Mm -hmm. like, I've... Like I said, like I've done my best threes when I'm in that vibe. Yes. Not when I'm skiing with the dudes. <laughs> yeah. It's a hundred percent a thing. And it's, it's a man, I had a really solid point and now I can't remember what I was gonna say. Oh, I do remember. Renee, was it you who shared a post in our Womb Tang chat group on Instagram where we we send memes? Okay, and you know what? First episode, Renee McCurdy. Our freaking other half of Big Stick Energy here <laughs> is the genius behind God, 90% all... of the womb cork memes, okay? She is she is the human that is causing a stir on the interwebs. <laughs> She's hilarious so on a low-key level. All so good. I know. I like I remember when I first met Renee, she was so quiet, oh, so quiet. So I was like, who is this girl? And then we started to hang out more and more, and she'd just say something underneath her breath that was so <laughs> like I was just like did you just was that it was so quick and witty and now we've created Amazing. a space something for her beautiful. to yes unleash it on the internet through memes and now she's doing vocally as well so oh my god bless I, the when meme I first queen. found that account oh my god I don't even know I think I was like like three beers in just sitting on the couch just like losing my shit for four hours just sending everyone I knew I like went back through the whole history and was like ha ha this is me ha just like it feels so yeah oh it's great I know it's great great. if you guys could see my face it's very red right now is you look red actually even in the dark (laughs) yeah 
I opened up all the windows, but it just got dark. Anyway. So we'll flash. Yeah. But it, it's been a journey with the account. Like, I even have noticed recently, like, in the past three months or so, there's been other accounts that are now doing the same thing. And at yes, first, yeah. I, like, had that initial reaction of, like, competitiveness. I had to check myself and be like, no, I've created a space where mm-hmm. there wasn't a space before. And now these other accounts are doing the same thing as me because they're seeing that there's a need for this. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not competition. It's just like more voices. Mm-hmm. But you know, like we, it's interesting because creating memes about sensitive subjects, but common experiences for mm-hmm. chicks in the industry, right? Or like even in the outdoors, um, or even like normalizing talking about periods and stuff. <laughs> like, how many times have you gone into the backcountry and it's like, boom, Mother Nature is there to completely ruin yeah. your trip? Mm-hmm. It sucks. You get cramps and you're stuck in the hut without any like hot water or <laughs> anything. And it's just, yeah. But um, by starting those conversations, we're bringing attention to them. So, it's through humor. It's it's not yeah. maybe mildly aggressive, but not super aggressive. It works. It works for it, me. It works. But um, yeah, it's starting conversations. It's pulling attention to important areas mm-hmm. and hopefully really influencing the movement that women deserve and, you know, self-identifying women, even, you know, like BIPOC, everything is the ski industry needs to evolve. Mm-hmm. And we're creating that space on the consumer level. And we want to see it filter all the way through yeah. to the board of directors for ski companies and ski hills, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say before I got ADHD sidetracked there was Renee sent a really good post by somebody, um, this chick who was talking about how women commonly apologize in the outdoor industry. It's like, oh, sorry, I like, I didn't hit that as big as I meant to. Oh, sorry, I fell. Or, oh, sorry, I did this and this. It's like we're scared to take up space because we don't belong as we are in uh, industry where performing like a dude is the standard, right? And the same in like ski shops, like what you've experienced, entering that space and like feeling nervous and without the community, you wouldn't have yeah. invested in the job. So yeah. yeah, I feel like with the with the chicks, you don't, like when you're with a, a group of girls or a group of people that represent who you are, you don't yeah. apologize as often. You don't yeah. feel as shy to take up space. And that's where you see that progression, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like this year was a great example of that too in the shop. Just like the amount that we learned in a year and the amount that Sarah having only had a year of experience taught us in a year. Like I just don't see any scenario in which that would have worked out if that if there was even one guy in the shop where, you know, two guys and one girl or yeah, two guys and one girl, I feel like. Like, I, you know, exactly. I didn't apologize for making mistakes. I felt okay making mistakes. I felt okay asking stupid questions five times in a row. And they were just like, that's okay. Like, I thought that last, you know, like an hour ago. You um, felt safe. Just such a safe space to learn. Yeah. And like, because of that, I don't know. Yeah. It, we progressed. I mean, I'm really proud of it. Like, I feel like, um, I don't know. Like, I have a nice, like, it's funny because Alex and I would come home and like talk about our days and, you know, he's doing the same thing at a different shop. And it was just like so gratifying to, for him to be like, oh, like, yeah, you guys like nailed that. That was like your second try, you know, doing that and just like us just, you know, team working it, figured it out. <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I really hope like, I remember I'm not going to name shops or anything because yeah. we don't need to do that. But um, there was a shop this year that I went into and 
like we I like to stir the pot a little bit like I'll walk mm. in I'll be like oh are there any chicks working in hard goods like are there, <laughs> yeah. do you got any girls working down here yeah. and they're like no we don't actually and I was like we should I was like yeah you should yeah, interesting thought <laughs> Cause it's like, like, honestly in our groups, like on Facebook and stuff, we have so many girls asking each other for advice on gear. Cause they don't feel comfortable okay. yes. going into ski shops yeah. and it's cause it's not a safe space. They're not represented. And yeah. that's not every ski shop. Like I've gone into ski shops yeah. and the guys have been lovely, like full on allies. They really like trying to get you the best gear that really suits your dreams, your goals, your progression, mm -hmm. all that jazz. But, um, you know, it's definitely not a blanket statement, but on like, a statistically relevant level there too does tend to be more of a downfall yeah. Yeah. um for having women in shops and so like you know the then the manager came and found me afterwards because i think he knows that i'm associated with womb tang and he was like oh like we're looking for chicks like if you ever like yeah. hear of anybody like let me know and he even gave me like a free hat and i was like okay it sounds good <laughs> so of course i went and found somebody and i was like this chick is dope she should be working on your floor she's great in sales she owns her own business i can help get her up to snuff i've got 12 years experience or whatever it is now because i'm old working in ski shops um and i was like you know part of increasing representation and opportunity for women in the industry is donating the time to get their skills up to snuff. It's like, it's intimidating to come in and not have those skills mm -hmm. because we're not brought up in those spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Like my dad, when I was a kid, was a total shower, not like a teacher. So like, if I wanted to do something, he'd be like, oh, I'll just like do it for you and you can watch. And it's like, right. no, like I wanna learn how to mount my skis. I yes, wanna learn yeah. how to do all that stuff. So it's like, in order to get chicks into those spaces and increase representation, increase participation, you need to teach the skill sets. So the fact that you had that community to get you there is so rad because these guys, like this guy, I, I told him that and he was kind of like back and forth with me a little bit. And then he was like, you know what? We're not actually hiring right now. And I was like, okay, so that was performative. Yeah. You're not actually looking to see the problem. And I was like, I understand labor is expensive for businesses. I'm a business student. But if you didn't mean it, don't say it. That's part mm -hmm. of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a... Uh, the fact that you had that community and you felt safe to learn those skills and you had someone that made you feel safe to help teach you them is awesome. Yeah. So we need more of that. I hope that <laughs> yeah, girls and women listening right now, hearing your story, if they want to go and do that, they should. They should push into those spaces. Oh, yeah. They need to make that space for themselves. And I hope they can find a similar community to you because yeah. – you freaking nailed it. Inspirational. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm so like grateful. That. I'm so grateful. Yeah. It's a regret that I have, like having worked at a shop for three years, like I had dudes that were so willing to teach me and I just like felt like, oh, I won't be good at this. Or like, I'll be a burden. So I totally or, yeah. discounted it. And then as a result, I didn't learn as much as I could have about mm -hmm. being a C-Tech and about mm -hmm. like bike mechanics. And it was all just myself holding me back. And like, I know that now because they would have taught me anything I wanted to know. And like, they mm -hmm. were patient and like so willing to like have me in those positions. Yeah. But I just didn't feel like I belonged in them. And mm -hmm. that's what held me back from getting there. And there weren't any other girls. Like I was the only girl in yeah. the shop for quite a while. And Story I did do boot Yeah. And I did do boot fitting. But I held myself back in a lot of ways, yeah. even if the men around me were being very supportive. Right. 
I'm low key scared of power tools. Dude, I, it, yeah, I would not like that. Those beginning moments, and especially if they're customer skis, like, it is not, it's not a fun feeling. And I guarantee you, I would not have been just like willing to go for it. Like when, the first time someone asked if it wasn't like two women standing next to me, just like it's fine, it's fine, we mess up. Like we yeah. all, we all do. It's okay. You know, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, and like we all, we all fucked up many <laughs> times that season. That's okay. <laughs> You know what? I read this really it wasn't scary. Yeah, I read this really good book called The Talent Code, and it talks about how talent is a myth. It's something that, um, like circumstance, practice, neurological connections, representation, all that kind of stuff adds up to. But one of the key things with talent is consistently practicing on the edge of your ability and making mistakes. And when you make a mistake, then you have the opportunity to reverse engineer something and look at all the separate components. So it's like you wouldn't have built those skill sets or understood what you were doing wrong without making mistakes. But we often criticize women for mm-hmm. those mistakes, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, she fell in that line. Like she didn't ski as hard as the dudes. Why does yeah, she have a sponsorship, right? right? And it's right. like, no, like she fell. But next time she's going to be like, okay, navigation. I realize that like the slope of the takeoff wasn't quite similar to this or like I need to reconsider the snow and have a plan B or it's like that's part of the learning curve but there's so much pressure to perform immediately totally we've got to take that off yeah it sucks I think I experienced that a few times like giving you know like small mistakes like nothing super crazy but calling the customer or calling the person who sees I were and be you know letting them know and they would like the response was always like okay well who who did it like who did it? Can I talk to them? Like you're a lady calling me, you probably work on the floor or something and are calling yeah. me on behalf of them. Like who made the mistake obviously. And then yeah. Being like completely unwilling to. Yeah. I know you're yeah. like mother. And it's like, you know, that a lot of people don't even realize that they've committed and conditioned with that internal misogyny. Yeah. It's wild. Right. right. And like, right? Calling, like, I don't even know how, how many men answered the phone and was like, where they were like, good job, sweetheart. Or like use a name. Oh, to me. do and not call like, me sweetheart. And I know that like that exactly. That's like that internal, um, you know, that just like it's internally built in a lot of people. I feel like to just like speak to women that way that are in the service industry. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not flattering. Not what I want to hear when I bounce someone's skis and call them like the, oh, like, you did you did you do that like that's so impressive sweetheart thanks yeah like oh I feel so icky I feel like I need to go oh god it's so gross I love to call those those types of people chads I'm like okay chad it's just like it's like the Karen but in the bro zone it's like the the chad where's your brad like no (laughs) I am not a sweetheart yeah no It's like, thank you. It's like, you're welcome. I just did something with a drill that you can't do yourself. Yes. So you're welcome. Yes. Oh, my God. I think that we had, oh, I, I wish I remember the details. We had one scenario where, like, a guy asked if we could do something. We were like, yeah, sure. And then, like, I don't know if it was, like, the price involved or whatever. But he was like, fine, I'll just go home and do it myself. Like, or, like, didn't believe that we were competent enough to do it. And was just like, we were like, cool. And he was like, well, can you just, like, tell me, like, what do I need to do it? And we were like, no. Like, you can pay us to do it. That's our job. And he, like, left. And then a week later came back to Sarah and was like, all right, can you just do it? (laughs) It was, like, so, like, had to swallow his own pride and was, like, so physically uncomfortable. And 
was just like it was the most gratifying moment of the entire season I think I mean, it wasn't me but like I remember hearing the story oh my and God. just being like fuck yeah <laughs> I freaking love those moments uh, love them Full I remember I was selling skis to this guy and we were like going through it I was talking to him it was like maybe 45 minutes and he was like man I wish my boys would tell like we're here to tell me what to get right now and I looked at him and I was like, I'm telling you what to get. Yes. And I was yeah. like, this is how long I've been skiing for. This is how long I've been doing this. I've tried every single ski on the wall. This is why I think this is technically the best fit for you. You and, shouldn't have to justify that, though. Like, that's the uh, upsetting part. Like, oh, you shouldn't even have to go into that. He would well, but, not have asked something, a male to give, no, you know, the qualifications. Like, men would never have to validate yeah, exactly. their credibility, right? But then like, like my friend Nicola, who worked in the ski shop across the alleyway, she is an Olympic skier. And when she would get that, she literally had to do the drop of like, I'm an ex-Olympic downhill racer. <laughs> and it's just like, that is just, that is so hard to swallow, man. But you know, like women can definitely hold the same misogyny towards each other. Like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. lie. I went into mm -hmm. a bike shop to buy my first pair of shoes because I just got a mountain bike. Whoop, whoop. Um, Ooh, that's big. Nice. Oh my god, it's more expensive than my car. This oh my god, bananas. I had no idea. I'm also like a baby theater about biking, and it's terrifying. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. It. Um, but I went in, and you know, like she, this chick that was helping us, she was like, "Oh, you're just getting like made assumptions immediately." Mm -hmm. And then I got my backup, and I was like, "I don't want to be served by this chick." And it was just like this weird, like, yeah collision of misogyny on both sides That's so interesting. right and like mm -hmm. I really had to challenge myself and be like nope step back don't react like this don't like question her credibility her ability yeah, all this yeah, stuff yeah. She, like she's questioning yours and I just like those moments of accountability are really important for everybody yeah. so like I think like anyone listening to this like hearing Nyota's experience and our experience and you know like removing what you you don't always mean to have those misogynistic tendencies but our brain is weird we have associations in our head that are built through the media through our experiences all that kind of stuff right and it takes a lot of like cognitive awareness to like have that thought and be on it and shift the narrative in your head totally but practice makes perfect and the more that we do that together the better space we're going to have for everybody in the outdoor industry and for women that are entering these spaces that are mm -hmm. traditionally male dominated. Like I had some men that treated me so crap. Um, when I was working in a ski shop, there was a couple times I cried because it yeah, was so oh, bad. Yeah. It was so bad. Like you're treated like you have no value beyond your looks mm -hmm. or, you know, it's just, it's absolutely freaking wild. It was like completely invisible. It's so upsetting. Oh, hundred percent. It's you're speaking, you're knowledgeable. Yeah. Like Renee said, like you say all the right things, you pick the perfect product for them yeah. and then they don't want to buy it until a male comes over and says the exact same thing. Yeah. It is the most insulting thing, but yeah. do they realize they're doing it? Do they realize? Probably, yeah, probably not. I mean, it's just like these built up internal biases. It's, but, and like, what do you, what are you going to say in the moment to, change their mind other than then like coming and providing the best answer that you can you know yeah I mean I've had situations where sometimes they just don't get a choice like when yeah, I used to work yeah. on patrol I would like show up just me the toboggan and like <laughs> I'm not big 
but it'd be like a 200 something pound dude Mm -hmm. look at me look at my toboggan be like you're taking me down on that and i'm like yep i'm a better skier than you get in (laughs) do you want to try and ski down you injured person boom goes the dynamite (laughs) good Um, but it's it's true it's like they're looking at you like oh you're not possibly going to bring me down this mountain and i'm like Yes, I am. (laughs) You have at least 100 pounds on me, but I'm going to do this and we're going to get there. We'll have this discussion at the bottom. You owe me a beer now. (laughs) You you battle. (laughs) But it's like one more. Yeah. I mean, I could just like really like go off on that Mm -hmm. as well. But I think it just like gives people a bit of an insight into like, you know, like maybe what it's like. And it's not like us like hitting on like, it's not us like hating on dudes because we've all skied with awesome dudes. We've all served awesome dudes. Like totally. But there is always the ones that stick out to you that Mm -hmm. it it wouldn't be a problem if it wasn't a regular thing. Totally. It's not like once a year. It's once a day or once a week. Yeah. And the fact that all of us have struggled with imposter syndrome. And I can say that 99% of my girlfriends that are pushing it in the ski industry, um, have dealt with that that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I would really love to hear if men deal with that as commonly, like if they feel yeah. like they are not allowed to take up space. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there's that common experience speaks to the fact that there is a cultural issue in the ski industry that needs to evolve. Um, Absolutely. I think it's statistically relevant. So it's pretty wild, mm-hmm. but it's really freaking cool that you put yourself out there and you really challenge that space because I've always wanted to be a ski tech. Like I learned how to mount my skis this year, which was huge. And I know. I think I saw a video of that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> you have the soundtrack, uh, like Meg the Stallion. Oh, yeah, totally I will know all the words, but. Oh, God, <laughs> Sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm doing some hot girl shit. Oh my God. That became like my anthem for the season. I was just like, Sorry. No, I think it was like, fuck being good. I'm a bad bitch. I'm sick of motherfuckers trying to tell me how to live. (laughs) It's like my anthem. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I, uh, I think we should, I have no, how long have we been talking for? I think, I think we're getting there. So we should wrap it up. I think (laughs) let's like get you to tell everyone where to find you like what's your handle where can they follow so that when you're ready to drop your company they're gonna be there and ready to get it yeah (laughs) (laughs) um i i think i really only use instagram and it's just my full name nyota haley uh should i spell it out yeah all right. It is. Yep. It's N-Y-O-T-A-H-A-L-E-Y. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'll definitely like, I, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been like not posting too much about it again. I think, yeah, I just don't want to psych myself out, but it's fine. Like it's, I'm happy to share. I'm so stoked about it. I'm so that you guys are supportive and excited about it too. And I feel like yeah, so that'll be where you can find stuff about it. I'll definitely be sharing that soon. I'm super excited. Rad. And um, also, like, if there's any chicks in the Missoula area, yes. uh, hit up Nyota Nat as well yeah. um, through Tang. You can go and mm-hmm. find the link and hopefully get, like, some summer activities and find some other chicks that you can hang out with because 
She's super rad, obviously, is showcased in this podcast and will uh, inspire you to push yourself, which is what it's all about, baby. Girls supporting oh, yeah. girls. And I think yep. that, I think right now that uh, Faction is like all of Montana, which is sweet. So if you're in Bozeman or Whitefish or anywhere, um, there's lots of gals from there, too. And I even I think there's even a few from like northern Idaho because they're so close to Missoula. So cool. if you see Lost Trail or northern Idaho area, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like moving into summer. It's not just skiing. Like right. we yeah. did a survey in the Bow Valley one. We want to do it in all of them. But we had chicks that were into like paddleboarding, kayaking, golfing, climbing, yeah. skateboarding, like you name the sport. It's there. This is about linking up chicks to progress and increase space in those areas. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And if, yeah. There, if there's like anything you want to plug, this is your chance. Like. Mm. I'm so bad at this, guys. <laughs> it's okay. We're all learning right I now. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to like. I'm gonna have to like make sure I, I. You know, now I have to go back on a podcast sometime in the future and just be like, all right, I've learned how to give succinct, nice answers. Um, yeah, there's something that's coming to mind right away. I think. I don't know. I would just encourage everyone listening to go out and find ladies in their local area, even if you feel super uncomfortable. Like, make a Facebook post in your local if you have any outdoor groups. I, before I found the Wimtang Ladies, I did a poll. We have, like, a local backcountry ski conditions page. And it's just, like, 8,000 dudes, like, asking if they can go touring with a single girl. And they're all, like, or, like, oh. anyone go touring? Or, like, girls, like, hey, anyone go touring? And it's just, like, a single guy, like, hey, I'll go touring with you. Um, You're like, I feel super safe and comfortable with yeah, that. it's just not a great <laughs> environment. And I felt super uncomfortable posting in it. But I put a poll up there at the beginning of last year. And there was, like... I mean, I saw, like, over 100 women comment that I've never even seen engage in the page and that just, like, watch the page for, like, other women just, like, waiting for someone to do something. And if you have one like that, wherever you are, <laughs> go out and do it. Or, you know, and I'm sure you're going to find a ton of ladies and then maybe you can start a moon tank faction. Let's yeah. go. Definitely. Also, <laughs> anyone listening, reach out to us if you want to. Um, head yeah. to our Instagram at womb.tang. And uh, click the link or link tree in the bio and you can send us an email or there's a direct email link there and we'll help get you sorted because everybody deserves a rad crew to ski with or do anything with. So yeah, do all the things with. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nat. This has yeah, been so good to super see you rad. <laughs> you too. I hope that um, post pandemic we can actually meet up and ski one day because oh that would be yeah, super rad. Yeah, are like not that far from me. I just, no. A hop, skip, and a jump right over the border. So when those are open and the snow is super falling. down, yeah. When I lived in Fernie, we do ski trips over the um, over the border to Whitefish all the time. So dude, let's be super my close. Fish. Yeah, so let's fun. do it. Awesome. <laughs>